But whoever does not believe stands condemned already because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only son. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Salty Pastor Podcast, a podcast dedicated to helping you learn and grow in your faith. It is mm-hmm. a journey that you must take alone. You must do the work, but we want to come alongside you and um, encourage you, challenge you, yes. and uh, entertain you with some badly written jokes occasionally. But uh, <laughs> ultimately, that is our goal here on the Salty Pastor Podcast. My name is Jesse Mayer. I'll be your host. And we cannot do the Salty Pastor Podcast without the Salty Pastor himself, Dr. Douglas Peak. Okay, you said something there, badly written. Are we supposed to be writing down our jokes? No, we can't. Our jokes cannot be taken into written form they are so natural and awesome that they just leap out got, of our okay. brains right <laughs> i'm just saying maybe they would go somewhere if i actually thought about <laughs> if we them. actually wrote they them, wrote them advance, down they yeah be welcome everybody we're glad you're here this is all about uh knowing uh what you believe and why you believe it it's all about thinking critically for yourself because when you do the work it makes all the difference. So that's what the salty pastor is about. And we apologize for throwing in bad jokes written or otherwise, or otherwise we are in our brand new series at the movies and at the movies is fun. I mean, fun. everybody fun, loves fun, fun. movies. We need something that lifts the spirit a little from yes. time to time. Yes, when we do. So many heavy things in the world yes. um, need to be addressed. So there's no reason why we can't have some fun while also developing a stronger critical thinking skills and sharpening those upstream perspectives that yes. we yes. Um, hit on so often here on the Salty Pastor. So this week we are doing my favorite favorite superhero Superhero. Spider-Man. 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 Now, um, I know this, but some of our younger listeners may not, or some people that just don't care about superhero movies yes. might not. But there's actually eight Spider-Man movies wow. played by three different actors. Yes. So the first three were by Tobey Maguire. Mm-hmm. Then they rebooted it and did two with Andrew Garfield. Mm-hmm. Then they rebooted it again, and they did three with the most recent one being Spider-Man No Way Home with yes, Tom Holland. With Tom Holland, yes. So, And uh, since we couldn't decide which one we were going to do, let's do the very last one with the, Tom Holland. The last one with Tom Holland, which, spoiler alert, has all of the previous Spider-Man in it. That's <laughs> all of them, yeah. So, so I think we're cheating a little, but What a work. great part of that storyline when Andrew Garfield pops in and then all of a sudden Tobey Maguire's yes, there. It's the whole movie is like a nostalgia trip for yes. someone, especially someone like me who's yes. grown up loving Watching all those, of them. Yeah. It's like people have mixed reviews on all of these Spider-Man characters, yes. but for me, I've loved them all for different reasons. And so getting to see them all bounce off of each other and yes. it was like, you know, Disney and Marvel were like, what if we just threw them all in a ball and just shook them up and see what yes. happens? And it was pure magic. <laughs> pure so. magic. Yeah. Let's talk about the character and why character he's so... Of Spider-Man? The, I, the Spider-Man story, okay. not the actor who plays him because all three actors have had success all three Mm. uh different sets of movies have made a ton of money yes you know first it was for sony right and then sony has owned them the whole time the whole time they're they're required by law to produce a spider-man movie every four years oh i did not know that the rights revert back to marvel so that's why you will always see a spider-man movie movie. 
every four years, years. whether okay. it's whether it's one of these live action ones or they've they've recently had great success with the new into the spider-verse which is that animated yeah. one the animated one also yeah. a great movie yeah but my son has made me watch that numerous times because he enjoys it a lot but the bait the bait if you're unfamiliar with spider-man and i know that my mother listens to the salty pastor so she doesn't know and so let's let take me a wild guess and say that she maybe doesn't yeah, know she's you know she's 90 so she's like i don't know what this is all about well spider-man is basically a teenage who is a nerd he's in high school he's extremely socially awkward and part of the reason why is because he's grown up with his uncle ben and aunt may because he was orphaned yes you know he doesn't have any parents so he does he didn't have a father to help him really discover his manhood and he didn't have a mom to kind of teach him uh the social graces you know and get excited about asking a girl out and things of this nature but he's really smart and he's a really good scientist guy. You know, he's always building and tinkering and things. Mm -hmm. And so on a field trip, they, he gets bit by a radioactive spider, right? Yes. And then over a period of time in different movies, it's different periods of time, but he starts to develop a lot of his super powers. And what's interesting is it's not until he gets bit by something the spider that turns him into spider-man when his life begins to change both in his normal life as peter parker and in this superhero life as well and there we have an archetype okay so what's an archetype jesse an archetype is basically uh it's a model of a storytelling element usually but it's usually some sort of like for example there's always the class clown that's an archetype yes. right or the hero that's going to go save the princess that's an archetype, archetype right yeah. so it's these kind of pre-made um boxed characters that yes. a lot of characters do fall into or um, what a lot of storytellers are doing now is they play off of the assumption that you know what this character is and then they'll sometimes flip it around and, and, and mess, with the, yeah. mess with the thing. But it's usually meant to be a, a shortcut where you don't have to explain everything about that character yeah. because you already inherently understand it. But why do we un inherently understand it, I guess, yeah. is the question, right? And that's, and that's something what, you want to talk yeah, about. That's what an archetype is. And that's really the whole essence and premise because this is not uh, obviously a podcast about Spider-Man. It's a podcast about what the Bible teaches and the, the, the premise from which the story of Spider-Man uh, comes from is based upon this underlying archetype. And that is, uh, the whole point in following Jesus. Uh, if you go to John chapter three gospel, according to John, uh, Jesus interacts with a Pharisee by the name of Nicodemus. And so let me read a little bit about the story. And cause what Jesus does is Nicodemus comes to him and he explains to him the whole essence and point of what's going on. It says verse one. Now there was a Pharisee, a man named Nicodemus who was a member of the Jewish ruling council. So he's a part of the Sanhedrin. He's extremely versed in the covenantal law. He knows who Yahweh is. He knows about the coming Messiah. And so he knows a lot and he comes to Jesus, but he comes late at night. It says, um, in verse two, it says he came to Jesus at night. So he's very curious. He sees a lot of, uh, probably commonality from what he knows from the old Testament scriptures and the prophecies of the Messiah. But he comes at night because he doesn't want people to notice his inquisitiveness about this. And so he says to Jesus, Rabbi, so he gives him a very 
uh, important honorable position or mm-hmm. title. He refers to him with, with respect. We know that you are a teacher who has come from God. So he's saying, you're, I don't believe what you're teaching is departure from what God has taught us in the law, you know, the Old Testament. And he says, for no one could perform the signs you're doing if God were not with him. So he knows, wow, the power of God is in Jesus. And Jesus replied to him and says, very truly, I say to you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. So he's saying, okay, the power of God, the kingdom of God is in you because you're doing these signs. And Jesus says, yeah, but you can't see the kingdom of God unless you're born again. And this confuses him. Verse four, well, how can someone be born when they are old? Nicodemus asks, surely they cannot enter a second time into their mother's womb to be born. So he's thinking physically, right? Right. The physical act of birth. Jesus answers says, very truly, I say to you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and the spirit, meaning there has to be water, meaning physical birth, spirit, meaning spiritual birth. Flesh gives birth to flesh. And this is how we know his, how he's uh, categorizing those two things is verse six. Flesh gives birth to flesh being born of water, but the spirit gives birth to spirit. This, you must be born of the spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the spirit. So what he's saying is, look, you are seeing the effects of what it means to be born of the spirit, just like you see the effects of God's presence in me, right, through the healing. Mm. So just like the wind, uh, you'll see it blow and move the trees. Right. But you don't really know where it's coming from. You, you can't see it. He goes, but the people who are spiritual, been born again, they know that the power to do these things comes from God. Okay. So then he says this, um, how do you not know this? You are Israel's teacher and you can't understand this. Very truly, I say to you or tell you, we speak of what we know and we testify to what we have seen. But still, you people do not accept our testimony. I have spoken to you of earthly things and you do not believe. How then will I believe? How will you believe if I speak of heavenly things? No one has ever gone into heaven except the one who came from heaven, the son of man. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the son of man must be lifted up so that everyone who believes may have eternal life in him. So what he's doing now is Jesus explaining Nicodemus that this is how you are born of the spirit as opposed to being born of the flesh. It's a, it's similar to being born in the flesh. Uh, there's this process of transition, but it is different. It's spiritual in nature and it happens because of Jesus, mm. the one who came from heaven, right? And he came for a purpose. And then as Moses lifted up the serpent. So this is a reference in the old Testament in the book of Exodus. What happened is snakes came into the camp of Israel because they had been complaining against God. And it wasn't that they were whiners, you know, called the wambulance. It was because what they had done is they had chosen to uh, doubt God's provision. Right. So God had brought them all these ways. And so what they were doing is they were saying, Hey, we're rejecting his provision. And so because of that, snakes come in. And so Moses goes and says, well, God, what do you want me to do? And he goes, well, what we want to do is we're going to show them that I am the provider. I'm the great healer. He said, so make a bronze serpent, uh, you know, that matches this thing, put it on a stick, the largest pole you can find and put it in the center of the camp. And then if anybody ever gets bit by one of these snakes, 
All they have to do is turn and look at that pole with the serpent on top of it and they'll be healed. Mm. So that was a solution. Well, what, what was the point of that solution? Well, the point of that solution had nothing to do with the serpents and had nothing to do with people getting poisoned by, by being bit and dying from it. What the point was is that God is the provision for the people of Israel. He is the provision. And if you put your faith in him, you'll always be taken care of. So in the same way, you have to look to the son of man because he is the way in which we know God. Mm. There is no other way. He says, for God so loved the world, right? He gave his only begotten son or his one and only son that whosoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. So now he's saying, oh, I, I may die physically, but my spirit is born again and will live eternally. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Now, most times when you hear a message, it stops here. But Jesus is still talking. And listen to what he says next. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only son. So notice what, let's go back to the imagery is that there's this serpent, it's up there. And so someone turns to, uh, gets bit, gets bit by, uh, the serpent. So what they do is because they don't believe in looking at the serpent, they don't believe it will work. They choose not to. And so what happens? They die. Right. And so he's saying, look, you're, if you choose not to believe you are condemned to death already. So it's really fascinating to me how he contains this imagery throughout his entire, and he says, look, whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is already condemned. Verse 19, this is the verdict. So this is the conclusion. This is the judgment. This is the point. Light has come into the world, but people love darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates light and will not come into the light for fear that their deeds will be exposed. But whoever lives by the truth comes into the light so that it may be seen plainly that what they have done has been done in the sight of God. So let's take some of these biblical principles that you've just started to talk about and and tie them together with what the writers of Spider-Man are putting in their unspoken premise to develop that story. Okay. uh, Jesus said you must be born again. There has to be a catalyst that changes someone. You, uh, in Ephesians, Paul says, you were dead in your trespasses and sins, right? Mm -hmm. But God made you alive in Christ. So if I'm bit by the serpent, I'm dead. I'm a walking dead man. And in the, we don't know if they were asps or not, but uh, in this area is the asp and they call it the two-step. And that is, is that once you're bit, you get two steps and then you're dead. That's how fast the toxin of the asp attacks your heart. You have a heart attack, you're dead. Mm. So it happens very quickly. And he's saying, look, the catalyst that changes you comes from outside of yourself. So looking up at the serpent is I must believe. So I need to look as quickly as possible. And so this is a core biblical principle. When it comes to transformational change being made from brought from death to life, a human being is incapable of doing it on their own. Primarily, it's like standing in a bucket, you know, and then you grab the handle and try to lift yourself up. And the reason why is because there's too many limitations of what it means to be human. And that is, uh, as a human, I'm dead in my trespasses and sins. I'm dead. I'm unable to make myself alive again. I, I have too many biases. I have too many... Uh, 
uh, temptations. I have too many disbeliefs and false beliefs. I have all of these things that limit me from ever actually seeing myself being transformed. And the Bible calls these limitations sin. Okay. And therefore, this is the entire purpose of why Jesus Christ came to earth in order to be the atoning sacrifice for our sins. And when Jesus says, I've come to set you free, what he's saying is, I have come to set you free from the influence, the bondage, the impression of sin. Sin blinds you to truth. So I will open your eyes. Sin holds you into a pattern of inability to change. I will break the power of sin in your life so that now you can change and become and discover who you were really meant to be. So this is the orthodox doctrine of the church for the last 2000 years. And it's called the incarnation that Jesus is God. And he came from heaven to us in order to bring us back to life. And that's what the whole premise of Spider-Man is built on. So the catalyst, the the thing that changed Peter Parker was a radioactive spider in this, in this movie series, right? Um, in this character mm-hmm. that's from the comics. As outlandish as it seems, it's a reflection of this archetype that you're talking about in scripture. Mm-hmm. Yes. An external catalyst um, came and changed him. The idea that he gained this incredible power from this external catalyst even though he was already very smart they always depict him as highly intelligent right yes yes the he's deeply caring yes uh he he cares about those around him he didn't become truly powerful until the bite from the spider he didn't get those new powers he didn't become the the person he is most himself as Mm -hmm. until he got those powers what does that reflect well, I, I think what it does is it shows basically the concept uh, where we come back to life, right? We are brought back to life. And so we don't really have a lot of power, so to speak. Notice what he says, whoever believes in him is not condemned. Whoever does not believe stands condemned already. And it has to do with lightness and darkness. In verse 19, that's the verdict. And so if you, verse 21, if you live by truth, that's because you've come into the light so that it may be plainly seen that what they have done or been done in the sight of God. So, so at its core, what we see is that Christianity is a claim of truth. It's always a claim of truth. And that truth is what gives you spiritual eyes in which you see the reality of the universe in which you live. And so what's really fascinating is if you go over to Ephesians chapter one, you you'll see uh, verse 11, Paul writes these words, in Christ, we were chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will, in order that we who were first to put our hope in Christ might be for the praise of his glory. And you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. And when you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. And then if you jump down to verse 18, he says, I pray the eyes of your heart. So now you have these spiritual eyes to see the reality in which we live. He says, we'll be opened. He says, you, they need to be opened 
They need to be enlightened, meaning you need to know and act and live in this new thing that you've been given. And what is that? Well, a brand new hope to which he's called you and the riches of his glorious inheritance to his holy people. Wow, I now have an inheritance and his incomparably great power. So now I have more power than I ever imagined. And what happened in Spider-Man's life is he gets his power and initially he's what with it? He's kind of flippant. Right. Right. And then because of that, in various stories is uh, Uncle Ben in the latest version. It's his Aunt May because he's careless with the power. What happens? She dies. They die. I mean, this is spoilers. If These you're spoilers. listening to this, you should know that there's spoilers, I guess, at this yes. point. Well, if you haven't seen Spider-Man, we have no mercy for you. Yes. <laughs> you stand condemned already. <laughs> oh, that was a salty joke. Just a joke, people. Just a uh, joke. Yeah, but but in in what is it the what's the most important line? The whole point of Spider-Man's journey throughout all the comic books and what really launches him on trying to be uh, the superhero he feels he's called to be is what? What does Aunt May and what does Uncle Ben always say to him? So the the key line that the movies have always really pounded home and they derive this from the the character of Spider-Man is with great power comes great responsibility, right? Mm -hmm. yes. um, it's, it's a line that almost everybody's heard at some point or another. Sometimes it's even used as a joke, but it is when you break it down, a re very, very serious statement, right? Yes. And we see, you know, heartbreak and, and, and usually he has to learn this the hard way. You never learn that he, that, that line is never spoken without him having gone through some major heartbreaking right. ordeal right yes. before it or yes. whatever. Like that's not something you just throw out and you're like, oh, it's fine. Right. Like he has to learn that through trials and tribulations. Yes, right. absolutely. And what's interesting about it is, let's pull this over, is that you are brought from death to life. And when that you receive the very inheritance uh, uh, for all that all holy people of God that have been set apart and called and redeemed by Jesus Christ receive, you have this incomparably great power within you now. That power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead. Mm -hmm. So the power that raised a dead man to life is in me now. And then it says Jesus was seated at the right hand of God in the heavenly realms. Verse 21 far above all rule and authority, power and dominion in every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but also in the ones to come. Verse 22. And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head of everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in a new way. And so what, what he's saying is that, man, now that you're alive, there's this tremendous responsibility that you have because now you have this incredible power and this power is, I can see the world for what it is through spiritual eyes. What I see is what the whole world is on the cusp. Really what this is, is it is a moral struggle against good versus evil. And there is God and light and there is darkness and Satan. There is heaven and hell and there is this, this mushy, there is no right and wrong is a deception. It's a lie that's trying to lull me. And so now that I've been brought to life, I have this incredible responsibility. And that is, is that with this great power that I have, what is my responsibility now? How do I manage it? How do I steward it? How do I walk in the newness of this life? 
you know, and, and what we see is throughout Peter Parker's journey in his whole life is that everything has to be interpreted in light of the fact that he's Spider-Man, right? Right. Is even his love relationships have to be managed in light of what? He, I'm a superhero, superhero right? Yeah. That puts on a mask and goes out there. Uh, his uh, family relationships and his family commitments have to be managed in light of what? He's a, he's superhero. a superhero. His jobs. You know, what's the whole thing is that he's always having trouble making ends meet, right? Right. And so his job, his career, all has to be his money management, where he lives, all has to be managed in light of the fact that he's what? A superhero. A superhero. What more incredible archetype is there for the Christian? And that is, is that the fact that he's a superhero dictates and influences every area of his life. The fact that you've been made alive in Christ manages, dictates, and influences every single part of your life. There is no escaping it. And so this, these spiritual eyes have a tremendous power and clarity for your life. And you need to take it seriously or responsibility because it's a really powerful thing that's happened in you. And we see this over and over again about how this reality changes everything. You know, you look at basic economic principles that have brought tremendous wealth and brought so many people out of poverty. Uh, where do those things come from? Well, it's people who can see with spiritual eyes, right? Mm. We look back at uh, political theory, where political theory came from. A lot of people don't realize this, but up until about 280 years ago, let's say 300 years ago, there was not a single government that existed on the planet up to that point that believed in the individual sovereignty of a citizen. Mm. Everyone was a subject. Everyone was either a fight, you know, you were a serf, you were a subject, you were owned by the state. We still see this political theory prominent in Russia. It's very prominent in China. You see, it's very prominent in a lot of these other places where you belong to the state. You don't own your labor. You don't own your money. You don't own any of these things, which is really quite fascinating to me. But where did this whole idea come from? From people who saw it with spiritual eyes. Look at science. You know, when you go back and you look at all the scientific discoveries and you look at all of the incredible advancements of society and you look at all of the men and women who are involved in, in this, guess what? 90% of them were Christians. And so even though they're focusing on something like, uh, you know, Newtonian physics or, or Kepler's uh, idea, you know, any of these types of things, you're focusing on those things. What allowed them to see this and then understand it and then prove it to be true? It was a, a perception of reality that reflected reality itself. Now, I know this is abstract, but it's very important to get, is that they were able to have a perception of reality that reflected reality itself, mm. right? That's very important to understand. Well, where did that come from? They were Christians. They developed spiritual eyes. Their eyes were open. So they saw the universe in its reality. So then when they went out and started to investigate the mechanics of it, it just made sense. And today, all science is built on the discoveries of these men and women. That's why this whole concept of what Spider-Man communicates is all based on this biblical principle. And that is, is that we were dead and then a catalyst from outside of us, Jesus Christ himself, God emptied himself, came down. And then when we become united with him in the likeness of his death, we become united with him in the likeness of his resurrection. It's a relational connection based on faith and belief. And when we believe that we have faith, we turn to him in the, our, our time of need bitten by the serpent of this world. Guess what? We're saved. We're brought to 
life. And then that opens the eyes of our heart. We start to see the world differently, just like Peter Parker started to see the world differently. Now he has all this power, right? And so what does he have to do? He has to learn how to manage it and how it influences every part of his life. So we've got a few minutes left, but I kind of want to talk about a few more things. So in the last movie, Spider-Man on No Way Home, or yes, no, the uh, Far From Home. Well, Far Far From from is two. Yes, right. Number three is No Way Home. He yes, and so in Far From Home, he finds uh, that his secret identity has been exposed. Yes, by a bad guy. um, he then perpetuates the conflict in no way home where he wants to basically try to fix it. It creates all this negativity for him and his friends. And ultimately by the end of the movie, he has to choose to make an ultimate sacrifice and have all the memories of everyone who knows him wiped yes. away. Oh yes. And as so I, sad. And as I talk about this, this ultimate sacrifice that he does to protect his friends and family who are all being hurt negatively by, um, knowing him basically by by his life yeah then it starts to sound familiar of someone else who made a sacrifice in order to save those around him yeah that's so true why do you think every movie that revolves around a hero of any type requires the hero to make a sacrifice well i mean even the original the mono myth which is the hero's journey yes. story structure which yes. almost every story's written on has this idea of a long dark night of the soul and then there's usually a sacrifice i mean you look at every superhero movie it's like whether it's man of steel he gives himself up to the aliens you look at logan he dies protecting the children you look at i mean all of these stories one after another after another after another there's a sacrifice in some way whether it's they're sacrificing the love interest they're sacrificing their life they're sacrificing whatever this is built into our core of something and those are the movies that resonate with us the most we see that and we're like oh my gosh my heart's breaking yeah and it's calling on something that our souls innately yes resonate with yes right? yes because yeah. it's a thirst of the soul right you know and we see that and it touches us but we forget about that it doesn't change us and the thirst of the soul is christ who made the sacrifice that makes a difference and we've seen the story structure i mean it's it's literally like a, a cookie <laughs> yeah. cutter template everywhere we know it's going to come up and it still hits the same way every yes. time right like yes. it's, it's never like a, oh my gosh i'm getting really tired of seeing yes. that person i've gotten so attached to sacrifice themselves for the yes. people they love it's like yes. that never doesn't hit home for anybody right that's correct yeah and so it's like you said it's this thirst of the soul that you know we could see it a hundred yep. times and we're still going oh my gosh give me another one i i want it I wanted, I want to see it. So, but here's a question for you. And that is this, is that, so we watched this third one. My kids saw it and I saw it. Right. Mm -hmm. And so my wife and I, we watched it and we were just heartbroken for Peter Parker. You know, nobody remembers who he is. And at the very end of the movie, he walks into the donut shop where his love interest is working and his best friend is sitting there and they don't even know him, you know, kind of a thing. And my wife and I are so sad and broken hearted. And my sons, uh, both of them, one's in his twenties and the other one's still a teenager they were like oh that's no big deal and i'm like we're like why why is that that's such a big deal they go oh we're gonna make another movie and fix it all yeah <laughs> i mean we do know that it's hard when we when you know there's series coming because you're like well eventually they have to get back together right yeah like, we kind of know that's a guarantee but it doesn't change if you're invested in the time at that point and you're not yeah. so forward thinking of the metagame, yeah. then yes. So why don't, so let me ask a question. Why don't, why don't we fo- followers of Christ operate the same way with Jesus? Because 
You see what I'm saying is that so many followers of Christ, they don't, they look at it, you know, something bad happens and they're heartbroken. They're, they don't look at, oh, there's a series, there's a sequel coming and they're going to fix it all. Yeah. Spoiler alert. We know how this ends, right? Yeah, we do. We know how it ends. And yet we, as the people of God, don't live as if we do. Mm. Well, those are some thoughts to leave us on today, Pastor. Thank you so much for sharing with us. Um, I'm really loving the movie vibe. I bet you and are. So I'm, I'm vibing with this whole series. I think other people are really excited about it. And uh, we've got a lot more to talk about on Thursday. And then next week, we've got our 200th episode celebration. Wow, 200 200th episodes. 200th episode celebration. We've got wow. some, some fun plans. Um, so I'm excited about that. But we have more Spider-Man coming up the rest of this week, so I'm also very excited about that. So thank you guys so much for joining us. Have some conversations about what we had conversations about today. Dive deeper. Critically think through your movies because you're going to start seeing these archetypes pop up more and more as you start looking for them, and then you can decide what they're saying about those archetypes yes. and how they affect your life. So thank you guys so much for joining us, and we'll see you on Thursday here on the Salty Pastor Podcast. Blessings. <laughs>